Go ahead and be seated and open them up to Luke. Look over to your neighbor and tell them to open their Bibles. If they didn't bring a Bible, maybe uh, their device, whatever um, they use. Um, I, I encourage you, I, I like to kind of take notes in my Bible, scribble my Bible. Um, and uh, we're starting a series that I think may even be helpful for you uh, when, it, when it comes to actually like bringing your Bible and not having a you start uh, in the book of Luke. And so I kind of mentioned this last week that we're just going to kind of start a series and we're just going to start going through Luke. We might take some stops here and there to kind of maybe break it up with um, some topical sermons. But I feel like this past year, there's just been kind of a lot of topical messages coming from me. We're just kind of almost trying to just keep up with everything going on uh, to try to address it and, and keep us um, kind of moving as a church a little bit. But I'm going to kind of hit the brakes on some of that and, and really just kind of maybe uh, allow God's word to kind of direct some of kind of where we're going and how we're thinking and what we're doing. Not that I wasn't with the topical stuff, but this is going to be, you're going to feel a kind of a more probably expositional um, approach from me over the next maybe several weeks, months, even before I, I go on sabbatical here as uh, we take a, uh, a look at Luke together. So um, I want to begin this morning as you're opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, just with a, a few questions, uh, a few questions that maybe you've asked before or uh, questions maybe other people are asking. And these are just some really simple questions for us to consider. Here they are. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What did Jesus teach? Is he worth suffering for? How about this? Is his church worth sticking with or joining if it happens to become unpopular? Or are you uncertain about the answer to any of these questions? Uh, I, one of the things that I, I believe and I think you know is that we have a lot of information about Jesus. And you'd think that because of all the information that we have about Jesus, that there'd be very little uncertainty, at least maybe uncertainty over the things that kind of matter. And so you would think for those who want to be certain, they would be able to, to be certain uh, about Jesus. So there would be people who would just kind of completely devote what he should do in light of everything that uh, Jesus teaches and who he was. And then that there are others that seems like they should be certain that since they know all of this about Jesus, whether or not they want to follow him or just kind of maybe reject him. In the year 2021, with Google, Wikipedia, and libraries that, to be honest, like first century people, people who were followers of Jesus and began following Jesus would have never dreamed of having you over, like whether you're going to be complete followers of Jesus or, or maybe even reject him than we have today. But I, I think there isn't. I think there's more maybe uncertainty today than there was maybe even in the first century. One of the things that I'm learning is that the more information we have sometimes just seems to make things more complex when it comes to following Jesus and leaves many of us uncertain. So that's why I want to kind of begin this new endeavor as we look at the book of Luke. And I uh, the prologue of Luke, or what we, we, you just want to be called the kind of the beginning of Luke, uh, addresses uh, a few issues concerning uncertainty or certainty uh, that I think all of us sh should be at least uh, a little bit of a little bit interested in 
uh, since I think people are asking these questions that I want to help us answer this morning. So Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let's read for you here. I'm going to end. What we are told, here's what Luke wrote. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of these things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. That you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Today, in 2021, I want you to consider uh, two kind of questions. Um, I want you to think about kind of two questions here that I hope we can gather more certainty about or to answer uh, together this morning. Here are the two questions. Can I be certain concerning the accounts we have of Jesus? And the second question is this, how can I be certain that I am following Jesus? So the first question, can I be certain concerning the accounts we have of Jesus? This is where we're going to begin this morning. And so first thing, while we answer this question, I'm going to be completely upfront with you, right? We're going to be comp- I'm going to be completely honest with you. The person who wrote Luke did not say he wrote Luke. It's like not recorded is what I should say. The writer of the gospel is not actually named in this account. However, that doesn't mean we can't know who wrote it. Just so you know, almost everyone, in everything, who wrote the gospel of Luke. It was written, most likely, by a man named Luke, who was a second, who was a second generation Christian and a non-Jewish Gentile. Now, there is both what we would call internal uh, evidence for this. That means there's evidence in the books that Luke wrote to point to Luke having wrote this gospel. And there's external evidence that point to Luke. That means evidence outside of Luke's actual writing that point to Luke having written this gospel. The internal evidence comes from the book of Acts. Uh, Whoever wrote Luke wrote Acts. It's addressed to the same person, and it's basically written in the same Greek with the same vocabulary. There's almost no one who disagrees that whoever wrote Luke wrote Acts. And so if you're reading through Acts, my wife actually just asked me this the other morning. She said, so Josh, it's, it's really interesting. If you're reading through Acts, what happens is you read through Acts, and it's kind of a, it's a narrative for the, the writers and all these people, then all of a sudden he switches from like they to we and us. Here. And so if you're reading Acts, what you discover in chapter 16 and chapters 21 through 27, or 21, uh, 20 and 21 and chapters 27 through 28, Luke stops talking about what happened to others and he starts talking about what he was up to with the others who were planting the early uh, New Testament church, like the first century church here. And here's an example that I want to give you here. And this is in your notes. And it says, and sought to go on to, the, on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, the set, so setting sail from Trosus, we made a direct voyage. And so this clearly means whoever wrote Luke and whoever wrote Acts lived in the first century and most likely wrote sometime probably between about 60 AD, this is 30 years, roughly 30 years after the death of Christ, and 80 AD, probably at the latest. And sometimes we can grow uncertain and make simple things more complicated than they need to be. This isn't real complicated here. 
So this is some of the internal evidence that we have. And there's external evidence that we have that we can and we probably should believe that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. And this is, this is uh, let's begin with kind of evidence outside of the Bible. A Paul, or evidence inside of the Bible, and then we'll get to evidence outside of the Bible, and we'll come back around to evidence inside of the Bible here when we talk about external evidence. Paul is a man who uh, is kind of host of the early church, most of the first century church, and probably spread the gospel and the message of Jesus more so than anybody else. And so when Luke is writing his letter to the Colossians, or when Paul writes his letter to the Colossians, he actually mentions Luke here. You can see what he says about Luke. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. So Luke is writing to the Colossian church, um, and he's saying, hey, Luke, who's been traveling with me, is this guy, he's also a physician here, he writes to you. And so what we have within the Bible itself, separate letters uh, that were eventually brought together, is we have Luke saying, or the writer of Acts saying that he was with Paul, and then we have Paul saying that Luke was with him. Now, this doesn't tell us, however, none of this evidence actually tells us that Luke himself wrote the record of Jesus, but merely that Luke was active in the early church by looking at this. So the reason we believe that Luke wrote the gospel is because and every expositor in the first and second century said that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. So here's some examples I can give you. Um, church historian Clement in the first century in 90 AD, uh, this isn't very uh, far removed. This is maybe like if, if Luke had children, <laughs> uh, Clement could be his child here. Uh, he writes that Luke wrote the gospel. He does it again in 100 AD in, his, uh, second, in the second letter that he wrote, 60 AD talks about the memoirs of Jesus written by Luke and attributes it to this gospel. So we have this evidence here, and then you can even go back to the Bible again. You can go back to Paul and some of his writings, and Paul in 1 Timothy 5.18, he actually quotes the gospel of Luke. He quotes a passage that is only in the gospel of Luke in his own writings and his letter to basically his mentee, Timothy. Paul dies in about 60, probably traveling with Luke and even reading what Luke was doing, or at least they had the same sources and were working together. And so what we have is we have these two people in the early church who are writing about Jesus. And so as we take all of this into consideration, we certainly can be certain that Luke existed, that he was engaged in ministry with leaders in the first century church, and that the gospel was strongly believed to be written by Luke by pretty much every second century. So those who were closest to him in time and place. And so I, I know we, you know, we can question who wrote, the, wrote some different works and stuff 2,000 years later. But let's keep it simple. Now, who was Luke? Uh, <laughs> um, this is a question that matters for us. Uh, because it matters for us if we're going to kind of understand what he was writing. Luke was a non-Jewish Gentile, that means he was a Gentile, doctor. Many people, even a servant, doctors unlike today, um, sometimes found themselves as servants uh, to wealthy people who uh, had them as servants who could then basically uh, be the doctors to their family and friends and those they wanted them to be. Now, Luke's ethnicity, his economic status, all of that is really important. Because when you read Luke, what you, what you basically uh, find out is he's trying to convince this man named Theoph Theophilus and others who weren't Jews 
and or social outcast to non-Jewish people, primarily because Christianity was an offshoot of Judaism. That meant that people would have assumed that Christianity primarily was for Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew and saw himself as the Jewish Messiah. So Christianity is and was an extension of Judaism. It's not a replacement. All people, can be, all people, though, can be grafted into the redeeming work of Jesus or the redeeming work of the God of Abraham through Jesus. So a major part of the Christian message are sons and daughters of God by adoption through the work of Jesus, who was a Jew himself. The point of this is that Luke wants people to know that Jesus is for everyone. So he challenges the assumption that religion is connected at least the religion of Jesus, the faith of Jesus, is connected with nationality or ethnic identity that was common in the first century. That's why you'll find stories like the Good Samaritans to and for a multi-ethnic church. You also hear his heart for the poor. You hear Luke's heart for the, <laughs> the poor and the outcast and the down and out you'll kind of hear it kind of come maybe from Luke more than you even hear it and see it in the other gospel writers. I think more so uh, Luke talks about the poor and those who find themselves as social outcasts uh, than probably any other gospel writer, whether they are, are, are even poor or wealthy when it comes to social outcasts. So if any of that resonates with you, if you've had any of those questions or like you, you feel any of that kind of in your own life, Luke is writing for you. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and on you in a way that I think Luke would want him to. I want to address who Luke was writing to. He's writing to a man that he addresses in this way. A Greek name, it's a pretty common Greek name, it meant dear to God. Uh, some people believe that this name or kind of how, why Luke used the name Theophilus is because it kind of generally spoke to uh, kind of anybody who was kind of a God follower, anybody who was a Christian, anybody who was a dear son to God because they were a follower of God's dear son. However, I believe that Theophilus is actually an individual person. The reason I believe this is because Luke uses this address or this uh, title. He calls him the most excellent Theophilus. Now, by using most excellent before the name Theophilus, He's most likely talking about an individual person. He's, an addre he's addressing actually not even just an individual person, but a type of person. That, that phrase, most excellent, if you were to use it before a name in the first century, especially kind of within the Roman Empire, what it meant is that you were addressing a Roman official. And so what we can assume here is that this is a special type of greeting for a special person, and this person is a Roman official. Luke writing to him, uh, and ded he dedicates his work to him because he's... This guy, Theophilus, has probably grown uncertain about two things, at least one of them. I think he's probably uncertain about both. The first is that Theophilus has clearly uh, become a Christian, and he's probably joined the church, and he's committed to follow, following Jesus, but he, have he has doubts on whether or not he really wants to belong with, to the church now. Right? He, he's, he's doubting that. Right ethnic group. Be a part of what is... Uh, primarily a Jewish religion. And so you have these two things going on. He's, he's doubting if he, as a Gentile, can be a follower of Christ. And the second thing he is doubting, if he wants to remain a part 
of the body of Christ. And here's why. It's because he now finds himself as part of the religious minority. He went from being... He went from being a Roman official, the most excellent, who's, who, who would declare in Rome that their primary allegiance was to Rome. Now he's become a Christian and his primary allegiance belongs to Jesus. Every first century Christian, by the way, whether you were a Jew or Gentile, because could have resonated with this. Every first century Christian was in the religious minority. The Romans rejected and persecuted Christians. The Jewish people also, in which Christianity came out of, rejected the leadership and the people in the first century church. So what Theophilus is trying to do is he's trying to make a decision. He's trying to figure out if he wants to be a part of this newly formed and heavily persecuted community. And this is why Luke writes to him. He says, I'm giving you information concerning the things that you've been a decent amount about what it takes to follow Jesus, about what even Jesus said. He knows this probably having been a friend of Luke. Luke's probably taught him some of this. But Theophilus finds himself in a place where he's like, if I'm going to keep doing this, if I'm going to keep being a part of this, if I'm going to keep believing this, I've got to know more. I've got to know more. In other words, Theophilus, he's, he's counting the cost here. He, he's trying to figure out, is it worth it? Uh, I believe so many are probably doing this. We're worried about the social per persecution and the unpopularity and the countercultural teachings of Jesus. And I think when we get into Luke, we should be reminded and that we shouldn't forget that Christianity spread despite the fact that Jesus and Christians were rejected by the Roman government and even the community that it was birthed from. Christian was, and I believe always has been. So let's pause and consider two things here. First, it's clear that Luke wrote the Theophilus here. It was intended to him. It was dedicated for him. That's what this book is addressed to. However, Luke also is writing to a much wider audience here. It is obviously, it's obvious that the early church, the early church leaders believed that it was relevant and necessary for others to read. It's why church pastors, church leaders spread it. It's why this letter eventually made its way into the Bible. Luke's message to Theophilus, I believe, is relevant for us all today. Second, Theophilus is trying to make a decision and to understand what most people in the modern church are trying to decide and understand today. Who was Jesus really? What did Jesus teach? And is he worth following? Is he still worth following even if Some of these questions, I think, are answered are helpful, <laughs> we, we help answer these questions. These questions are help answered if we understand the reliability of Luke's writings. So how seriously should we take Luke? How do we know it's just not a myth, what he writes is just not a myth or kind of like an epic, maybe like Homer's Iliad or Odyssey? 
clear that he's not writing an Iliad and he's not writing an Odyssey. He's attempting to write, as he says in verse 3, an orderly account. This begins with his statement, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative. So Luke claims that he's writing an historically accurate narrative. This is what Luke tells us. As he does, he admits that he is not the first or the only to do so. Just as our modern historians build on the work of other writers like Luke did the same. In verse 2, he mentions that he desired to be like those as who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word of the word have delivered them to us. So Luke attempted to rely on eyewitnesses who became ministers of the word concerning Jesus. In verse 3, he says, I have followed all things closely. So he saw himself, this is how Luke sees himself, and this is why he is writing this, an investigated student who took the best material he could find, oral and written, and he recorded it. Not only did he reference then eyewitnesses, but every biblical scholar, almost every biblical scholar believes that he referenced other people's narratives. He says he did. People believe he did. And let me show you why here in a second. Now, Luke, unlike us, right, he didn't cite his work like I would have or you would have if we were kind of writing a, a formal paper. But we can be, uh, I'm, I'm going to teach you here about where likely Luke got his sources from. These are theories. We can't prove this, but it's, it's very likely that this is how Luke wrote his, his, his gospel, his his narrative for us. And so bring up the sources here. So many of you may not realize this, but Luke and Matthew share together as they write, they share most of the gospel of Mark. Did you Luke and Matthew and the, Luke and Matthew record what they find in Mark almost word for word. I mean, it's just, it's really close. And so what almost every biblical scholar believes, and most pastors believe anymore, is that, not everybody, there's slight disagreements on this, is that, is that Luke used Mark to write his gospel. Most people believe Mark was the first gospel written. So this is the first narrative, this is the first account of Jesus that was probably a narrative himself over Jesus' life. Then there is this really kind of mystery source here. There's sources, or there's stories, I should say. There's narratives in both Luke and uh, Matthew that aren't in Mark, and they're not in John. And many people believe who Matthew and Luke use this source called, we just call it Q. I don't know, I forget why it's called Q. But use this source called Q, believing that those stories that we find in those two Bibles probably came from a source like stories like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is only in Luke. The story of the Good Samaritan is only in Luke. Many people believe that these stories came from a third source that we just don't have anymore. It's kind of been lost in time. It's been lost in history that we call L. We call it L because these are the stories only in Luke. And Luke then claims, right, L might not exist at all. Q might not exist at all, but it's likely that one of them or both of them do. But if they don't, Luke claims to have traveled and has entered what Luke has said to have done. Let me uh, show you kind of how this, this works here. So Luke, or yeah, I'll show you an example here in the, in the scriptures of why this Luke seems to have done this. But so what Luke does is he does all of this research here, 
And then he writes down an orderly account, his gospel, that, which he says actually seems good to me after doing the research. He writes, a, he writes a history. And if you read through Mark, Matthew, or Luke, what you'll discover is they all different slightly in order and so forth. Not the same person. What you'll discover is the same person in all the biographies, but the biographers are writing them from kind of a different slant. That's interesting. Um, so... What you have is kind of a unique gospel here, but the same Jesus in all the gospels. Further proof that Luke tried to write an historical narrative is the fact that he cares about chronology. He says it's kind of this historical narrative. So in other words, Luke cares about history and he cares about dates. And so for the most, if you don't realize this, like most of the Christmas story comes from the gospel of Luke. He spends most of his time kind of on the beginnings of Jesus's ministry or his life in that way. But let me show you how Luke is trying to write in a way where you can kind of check his work. So Luke 3, 1 through 2 here, it says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, the tetrarch of the region of, these are going to be these Greek names, I'm just not even going to mess them up, Caiaphas, and the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, if you look at all of this, what what Luke is doing is he's naming places and people. Now, he's doing this most likely only 30 to 50 years after all of Jesus's ministry took place. That is not what you do if you're trying to write a, a myth or if you're just basically trying to make up a story here. So he names names and he names somebody like Theophilus or if you're kind of a doubter, if you're somebody who is trying to figure out, should I really believe Luke? Should I, should I really follow Jesus? Did this thing really happen? Right? Well, what Luke is telling you here is if you want to check my work, go to these places. Check the dates about the things that I said. Go ask these people with these names. Right? You can go do that. That's, that's, that's what Luke is is doing here. He's asking people to check their work. And so what, what I believe here, like this is not fake news. Right? This is not propaganda. If you were writing in that way, this is not how you would do it, especially in the first century. Now that does not mean if you are somebody who is kind of a skeptic here, that Luke wrote objectively. I will always be honest with you. Luke did not write objectively. He had a goal in mind. Luke is a strong believer, and he is a follower of and to welcome in and redeem the world happens only through Jesus, and it's the church's job to make that known to the ends of the earth. He writes, though, so we will be confident in who Jesus is, what he has said, and what he has done. And he's trying to convince us that the events we see or the events that they saw unfolding and their time and in their history and in their place are best trusted to God who entered into history and is at work in the present, being with him the final redemption of all things. Luke believed that, and he was writing so that you would believe that as well. So the first big question I began with is, can I be certain, can I be certain that the accounts we have of Jesus can be trusted? Right. I've given you the evidence and you're going to have a decision to make if you're not sure. What I don't do, encourage you to do or anybody to do is to give you an accurate picture of Jesus. 
we've all found, like we maybe watch the History Channel or Discovery Channel or whatever, and they're kind of giving all these different pictures of Jesus. And almost always, almost always, they are using sources from the second, third, or fourth centuries to give us these different pictures of Jesus. And they are ignoring the sources that almost are, are, are almost, I'm almost, I'm certain, right, are from the first century, from people who actually knew Jesus and knew the people who knew Jesus here. Further, right, if you don't trust the testimonies of people like Luke or others in the Bible, I would argue that the strength of the early church's testimony is like rooted here, like is rooted in actually how they kind of lived out, out of this testimony. So what I mean by that is Luke was a companion of Paul. We know Paul wrote Jesus being worth giving everything for. And he died at the hands of the Romans trying to make that message known. Other writers in the Bible and the first century pre preachers suffered very similar fates. James, the brother of Jesus, is thrown off the temple mount for preaching Jesus. He wrote the book of James. Matthew, who wrote his gospel primarily for Jewish people, was all preachers and writers were not able or not willing, I should say, to recant or take back what they wrote or said about Jesus. And so if you are completely certain that we shouldn't trust people like Luke, I think you should doubt your certainty. It's really hard that this is, it's really hard to believe that this is a made up story if Luke and so many others were willing to go to the grave to defend it. Second question, answer this question much quicker here, is how can I be certain that I am following Jesus? I think this is probably the question maybe more relevant for all of us. I think the question I probably just answered is maybe I have friends or family members who struggle with the idea of us even being able to know who the real Jesus is. I think this is the question that most of us here today probably need to answer. How can I be certain that I am actually following Jesus? I think Luke helps us answer this. Luke records what Jesus did and taught so that we can be certain about it. Verse one, he says that I have I have been that I have been that have been things he's writing about things that have been accomplished among us. In other words, things that Jesus did among us, so that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. In verse four, so if you want to know what Jesus did and what he taught, and if you're following Jesus, you need to read Luke. Theophilus but it is written so all those who claim to follow Jesus wouldn't just know what he said, but obey his teaching. As a writer, he believes that the work of Jesus, that the work that Jesus did in the past determines our present beliefs, the work of the church, and all those in it. Once a follower of Jesus understands what Jesus taught, they should believe and practice it. And Luke will make us wonder if we are really following Jesus or if we have just capitulated to culture. So whether you're a new believer like Theophilus who is counting the cost and maybe trying to understand if you really oh, want to follow Jesus right? or 
If you're somebody who's been in the church, maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time, but you find yourself distracted and Christian, or Luke is writing for you. If we take Luke's account seriously, we will discover if we are or aren't following Jesus. I, here's something that I, I believe too. I think many of us, right, this is why we encourage you to read your Bible throughout the year, study your Bible. I think what will happen as we kind of get into Luke together is we'll be certain, like, I'm following Jesus. I'm doing this right. I, I'm thinking about this correctly. And then you'll read and you'll just go like, uh-oh. Right? When you are challenged, when you are challenged, let it change you. Let it change you. Let me end with a passage from Luke. Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49. This is Jesus teaching here and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does, does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the stream broke against it. Immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you help us to grow more confident in who your son Jesus is and what he said. And we don't pray for this type of confidence so that we can merely know what Jesus has said and not hearers only. We pray that ultimately that we would be changed within by the word of Christ. Father, I pray for those who haven't been digging their foundation very deep. I pray that you help us all to dig deeper. And desire to build on a foundation that cannot be shaken or destroyed by the different struggles or streams of this life. Father, I confess we all doubt from time to time. We can all grow certain about a so many situations that we find ourselves in. We can even grow certain about whether or not you're really with us and in us and at work at any given moment. But we trust through the power of your Holy Spirit You're always wanting to teach us and to lead us and to change us. I pray, Father, that we would grow certain about that. 
I pray as diff difficult situations or decisions come into our life, that we would seek you, that we would look for you for answers and solutions, confident knowing that you are doing, that we are doing what you have called us to do, to follow you. I pray for those areas of our life where we just don't see a clear answer, that we're able to walk forward knowing that we are walking in your grace and your love and your kindness and your goodness. May we all be like the man who hears your words and does them. And cannot be shaken. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.